lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin. Thank you to all of you. You're here with us too. Let us know who you are and what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. That is steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email us, steve at stevedace.com. You can also like us on Facebook, uh, where we will often lie to you there with hashtag Facebook approved takes. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show or look for me on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. Those are the social media sites where we hold nothing back. Those are not censored by big tech overlords. So make sure you look my name up there. That's also where you're going to get all of our COVID, uh, latest COVID and vaccine data. Although I'm finding different ways to get it onto the more mainstream platforms too. Okay. And then you can get clips of the show that are available for you to watch that are both free and then free of censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. That's rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. Coming up here today on the show, um, we have our good friend Bob Vanderplotz will join us here at the bottom of the hour. And then next hour, we will have our Monday Town Hall Facebook followers. You will get to ask us anything. You got good questions this week, I hope? There are some, yeah. Okay, good, good. I want to, though, share a couple of things before we get started, if you don't mind. Yeah. I, w- I want to share a couple of things that are in my email box this morning. And... I will tell you that, uh, let me just be personal here for a second, if you don't mind. Um, There's a lot of pressure doing a job like this, but I signed up for it and I'm totally fine with it. Issues I have with anxiety and, and other things right now have nothing to do with the performance of this job. And I love the job. I I love the fact I get to go to the Valley of Elah and confront Goliath. I love the fact I get to come in here with Todd and Aaron with our five smooth stones and let's go to war. This is like my happy place. What, what's, what's crushing me is seeing how this is crushing all of you. And I want to share with you a couple of, of notes I received today because I've received these notes in the last year or some variation of them literally thousands of times. This is from Billy Ray. He says, I've got a friend in Virginia that is literally fighting for his life. He's a few years younger, but graduated from my high school and played on the baseball team. That former team, we were really a family. I'm seeing posts from another alum about how bad our teammate Alan is, it brings me to tears. Alan is 41, married with kids, very healthy, playing college ball, and now runs one of the top baseball travel teams in Virginia. He's in a hospital with COVID now on a ventilator, fighting for his life. Do you know of anybody in Virginia that could help him? His name is Alan Brock. He's currently at Mary Washington Hospital in Fredericksburg. Do you know how many notes I've received like this? Because they won't offer you any early treatments. 
and and the one that will actually work that enriches big pharma monoclonal you have to actually ask for it most of the time and now of course they want to ration that because it was going to save too many lives I mean, I've, I've, I've sent out the, the, and, and mentioned We the Patriots USA, America's Frontline Doctors, uh, uh, Liberty Council, the few people that are willing to help folks, and yet now they're so inundated that a lot of you are telling me they're just not even responding because they're, they're overwhelmed by what the evil among us is doing at this moment right now. If you know of a doctor in Virginia that will help with early treatment for covid the kind that the spirit of the age system says we can't use, even though there's a study out of Argentina that I posted on my Twitter feed just this morning that shows, yes, about 3% of the people in the massive trial had to discontinue the use of the ivermectin cocktail because of adverse side effects. But for those who continued forward, there were absolutely positive results from both a mortality and an ICU admission standpoint. If any of you know of any doctors in Virginia that can help that are licensed there, I will happily pass it along to Billy. I I can't take much more of this. I I can't. I am fine with the fight. It's the fact we're being denied one that's bothering me. And so we're just going to let Alan here in Virginia, 41 with a family and kids, because he didn't get a, maybe, I don't know, maybe he did get it, I don't know, but didn't get your magical elixir that right now they can't explain in the UK. I posted that story this morning too. UK has 10,000 more excess deaths than it did at this time last year. Only half of them attributed to COVID. The other ones, heart disease, cardiovascular issues, you know, the type that show up very often in the VAERS side effects database. I'm sure that's just a coincidence, though. And the deaths are younger. They're, they're, they're confounded by this in the UK. The, the deaths are younger, you know, like Alan, 41, on a ventilator, 41. But we can't help Alan. Apparently, because I get notes like this all the time, too. Steve, I'm 38. I'm a nursing assistant in New York. I wanted to let you know that come Tuesday, the State University Hospital I've worked at for nearly 13 years will no longer allow employees who have not received the vax to report to work. I completely reject the entire premise of their ridiculously inappropriate demands. Therefore, I chose not to justify their insanity with a response. Quite frankly, my employer does not get to determine if my devotion to God and my faith is earnest or legitimate enough for an exemption. My manager called me to the office Friday morning to notify me the employee health office needed to hear from me with a copy of my non-existent vax card by Monday at 5 p.m. I told them I'm not even going to ask for a religious exemption anymore and I'm, I'm out of F's to give. I'm sickened by all of this and refuse to buckle to threats or bullying by the COVID stand, trust the science zombies clutching vax needles while chanting, we're all in this together or else. 
and a large contingent of my colleagues feel the same way. Alternatively speaking, with one of the delirious law sheep I work with, I was told the mandate is out of the hands of our hospital administrators due to funding and the decisions from the state capitol and even Washington. My response was simple, so what? If they were really concerned about us or the patients, they would have said, no, we're not going to demand that our, that of our healthcare workers. It's unethical. There are better alternatives. But that's absolutely not what it, what's occurring, maybe because they believe they gain more in the long run. Maybe the governor can declare more emergency powers with a collapsing healthcare system. In preparation for this worsening self-inflicted unsafe staffing level, the hospital is closing ICU beds, floor beds, and operating rooms and delaying elective surgeries. Remember, anything that's not immediate life-threatening is considered elective. So, I mean, if you're sitting there with a, a, a broken leg, that's an elective surgery. Unless your life is instantly threatened. As they're trying to purge the unclean, wrong-thinking, supposed people that we were just heroes last year. We were just all heroes last year. And now we have to be purged. And then they'll just bring in more foreign help to make up the difference later. I've said it numerous times to my colleagues, what is happening is beyond immoral, unethical, and I'm unwilling, and I'm willing to be uncomfortable. It means taking a principled stand against this evil. Thankfully, I have an amazing wife who supports my stance because quite possibly I'm flushing 12 and a half years of a state job down the tubes, including pension benefits and everything. But this is a hill worth dying on. You may not realize I just read you the same email. Same email. About the same true disease. Just afflicting both sides of the equation simultaneously. I'm sorry I'm not perfect for some of you. I'm sorry I lose my temper a few times every now and then. Why don't you why don't you take my seat? Why don't you try reading those two notes about 10,000 times in the last 8 months? While a friend of yours, pregnant wife, sits in an ICU in Chattanooga, Tennessee, going on week two with no updates other than, well, they don't know what to do. They're just going to monitor her blood oxygen, I guess. You're right, man. It's only the worst pandemic in 100 years, and she's pregnant. We got nothing but time. Nothing but time. All kinds of times for your smiles and your delicacies and your politeness. We got all kinds of it. Nothing but time. By all means, take your time. Kill a few hundred thousand more people, why don't you? We'll be here. Being polite! Protecting our reputations. By all means, proceed. On second thought, I don't apologize at all. Some of you need to apologize for not being angry enough yet. And now, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. 
What happened while we were away brought to you by the never-ending story. Pfizer CEO Albert Bourla went on ABC News' This Week and said, I agree that within a year, I think we will be able to come back to normal life. I don't think that this means that uh, variants will not be continue coming, and I don't think that this means that uh, we should be able to, to live our lives without having immune, without having vaccinations, basically. For those of you who couldn't understand, that's Pfizer CEO saying he thinks the world can get back to normal life as soon as his company has made enough money, which projections show to be the 31st of never in the year ever. Australia's health minister is saying something similar. We will not be ever having to go back to pre-COVID levels. We always going to have to be mindful that COVID exists. We're going to have to engage with booster shots. We're going to have to engage with advice from time to time when we see outbreaks we're going to have to respond so it's it's not going to go back to normal this comes as military and police in melbourne australia in particular continue ramping up their confrontations with anti-lockdown protesters in the region according to the uk's health system there have been nearly 10,000 unseasonable excess deaths in the uk since july 2nd nearly half of them not having anything to do with covid amongst that group the vast cause of mortality were heart and cardiovascular issues. Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas says at least 12,000 Haitians passed over the southern border last week. He also added, We did not, we do not, uh, te- we did not test that population of individuals. Uh, we do not know, I do not know, I should say, if I may be perfectly accurate. I do not know whether anyone was sick with COVID. According to the Wall Street Journal, a task force designed to deliver the definitive answer on the origins of Wuhan coronavirus has been forced to be disbanded after several people on that commission were found to have conflicts of interest involving EcoHealth Alliance chief Peter Daszak. This week, a massive protest took place in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, against the government-mandated domestic travel vaccine passports and other restrictions. The same thing happened in cities all over France as well, as that country marks the three-month anniversary of those weekend protests. Moving on, according to the New York Times, it's now confirmed that the FBI was involved in the carrying out of the events at the Capitol on January 6th. The Times revealed over the weekend that the Bureau had at least one informant marching in the crowd, providing the FBI with an on-the-ground look at what was happening. This is according to confidential records obtained by the paper. You might have seen this video recently, which came from Arizona State University. But you're white. Do you understand what a multicultural space? It means you're not being centered. White's not a culture? No. No, it's not a culture. That video depicts two women approaching and accosting two young men for studying in a multicultural safe space while being white. You'd think the two young men would be angry at being on the butt end of these racist attacks, but one of them released a statement saying in part, quote, I am devastated that this misunderstanding is being highlighted by others in a way that perpetuates the continued racial divide in this country, end quote. Checking in on Donald Trump, who held a rally in Georgia over the weekend. When Stacey Abrams says, I'm not going to concede, that's okay. No problem. Oh, she's not going to concede. She's not going to concede. Of course, having her, I think, might be better than having your existing governor, if you want to know the Checking in on Joe Biden, who welcomed Indian Prime Minister Modi to the Oval Office. Free Indian press. The Indian press is much better behaved than the American press. i got to watch out, though. Knock one of those down. And uh, I think, with your permission, we should not answer questions because they won't 
ask any questions on point. In case you didn't catch that, Joe Biden says the Indian press is, quote, much better behaved than the American press and goes on to say he won't be taking questions from the press because they don't ask questions he likes. And finally, this from the Babylon Bee. Horse-mounted aides with whips chase away journalists trying to ask Biden questions. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by my glasses uh, because I am wearing the very kinds of glasses we've been telling you about now from Better Spectacles. And they're now offering authentic German-engineered Rodenstock eyewear, just like mine. For the first time here in the U.S., Rodenstock is a 144-year-old company. They're considered the world's gold standard with over 500 original patents. And now they give you the same expert opticians available online that you would get at one of their stores. If you go online to betterspectacles.com slash Steve and schedule a teleoptical appointment today, especially now if you've got everyday run-of-the-mill uh, prescriptions, great. But if you've got problematic ones with progressives like me, now they can make sure you're not wearing the dorkiest of frames. You get the good stuff. They can hook you up there at Rodenstock or with Rodenstocks at betterspectacles.com. So if you want to give it a shot, uh, they're offering you right now as an introductory offer, 61% off their Go Specs lenses, plus those free hand, uh, Rodenstock handcrafted frames at, at if you visit betterspectacles.com slash Steve now to take advantage of that offer. Over 60% off now if you visit betterspectacles.com slash Steve now. The story out of the UK, folks, in fact, here's what I want to do, Aaron. I, I want you to tell the audience why you texted me this morning or last night. You were surprised that they printed this story. Well, one, just the overall blackout on, on anything other than COVID death, the, the admission that there are other costs from lockdowns, things of that nature. For a while, we theorized, and it's been borne out in numerous places, that lockdowns in and of themselves, the elective surgeries that were being put off, the cancer screenings that were missed, and so you didn't catch this or that or the other thing, those things would add up in the death toll. But, but particularly with this, it's unseasonal, meaning there's usually in the Northern Hemisphere, usually during the summer, because it's not respiratory virus season anymore, there's a dip in excess mortality, or all-cause mortality, I think is uh, maybe interchangeable mm -hmm. terms. This story points out that there was actually an increase from what they were expecting in, in excess deaths, and they only attributed about 50% of that increase to something involving COVID. For them to admit that 50% of those excess deaths were not COVID-related, meaning nothing to do with COVID, um, that's that that in and of itself kind of caught my eye. And then when they talked about it wasn't necessarily heart disease that was part of it, just all just a, a number a bevy of cardiovascular mm -hmm. and heart issues. Mm -hmm. Trending that, younger, trending younger, that caught my eye as well. How about this paragraph? The country talking about the UK is also suffering because of a lack of immunity. While lockdown, social distancing, isolation, and masks may have kept COVID down, it also prevented other diseases from circulating. What do you think that means? What are they admitting to there? That there's a certain um, environment that we live on a daily basis that our immune systems deal with. 
uh, and that why trying to put yourself in the boy in the bubble situation mm-hmm. is not only not going to work, it's actually bad for you. That's what it's saying. So lockdowns, as we said all of last year, when we looked at the data, lockdowns don't work, but they, they do kill. The UK had, I, I, the, the exact numbers in Fauci and Bargain, I'd have to look it up, but I want to say it's, it's like 10 times more. Either excess or all-cause mortality uh, than, than Sweden had last year. It, it's, it's some number. It, it's between, it's at least like eight times. I know it is a substantial amount more than what Sweden had last year. With, with, a, with a, a fall curfew, they had a late fall curfew in Sweden last year for public events and bars at 10 o'clock for a few weeks. That was the extent of all lockdowns in Sweden a year ago. Least masked country in the world last year. It's still like the least masked country in the EU this year. And the, and the EU, of course, followed, or I'm sorry, the UK, of course, followed all of the, as, as Ron DeSantis calls it in our book, Fauciest playbook. They, they followed it to the letter all the way down. The reason why I think excess deaths and all-cause mortality matter, maybe more than any other stat, is, 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 is twofold. One, you can't be a little alive. You know what I'm saying? You can't be a yeah. little dead. You're either alive or you're dead, number one. So there's a certain cut and dried aspect to it. And the number one reason that we should be doing anything is, is for the maximum preservation of human life, right? That, that should be the number one motivation for any of these things to do or not do. That should be the motivation for them. And therefore, that would be the data point that would show us whether we lived up to that motivation or not. Fair? Mm-hmm. There, and it's also one of the hardest ones. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's one of the hardest ones to gerrymander. To Jerry Rig. I mean, people went, people buried a loved one or they didn't, right? I mean, people sent a Christmas card to a friend that was alive and now isn't, or right. they didn't. And that, that, that's, that one's pretty hard for people to, 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 to hide that from people. This is the issue we have with our COVID data in our country right now. Where, yes, the CFR is lower. That's great. The IFR is lower. That's great. But the overall death numbers are so much higher than they were at this time a year ago. It doesn't matter. Because you, you got to look at the, you got to look at not just the numerator of any equation, but the denominator, not just the no, denominator, but the numerator. When we have so many more deaths than we had a year ago. That's not good. That's the ultimate counter. I would imagine any of you that got vaccinated, you did so for two reasons. Well, three, if we throw in my employer, put a gun to my head or a loved one did. But if you did it earnestly, you did it with the hopes that you wouldn't kill somebody else or it wouldn't kill you. Probably both, right? Right. I'm sure that's why you did it. Isn't that the number one motivation? What's the again? Let's go back to our mo- our number one motivation here is the preservation of human life. Correct? Yes. All right. We have almost six billion people on Earth right now, 
that, that have received at least one dose of vaccine. Numbers like 5.86 billion doses have been registered or something like that. And our death numbers across the board are worse. Almost, almost everywhere you look than at this time a year ago, including in countries that have not yet, or states that have, in regions that have not yet reached their seasonality. Show me all the other statistics you want, and I'm a data guy. But that's like the bottom line of all of this. The UK did one of the most aggressive vaccination programs in the EU. And it's all-cause mortality or excess mortality is worse than it was a year ago at this time and trending younger. Something's not right. Now, here's the thing. It could simply be that this is the residual boomerang effect from last year's. That's why I read this paragraph to you. Because that could very well be what it is. It could very well be that the efficacy numbers, because these are not immunizations. We've got waves of cases happening everywhere, regardless of your vaccination rate, it's irrelevant. So these, these aren't immunizing you from getting somebody else sick or from you not getting it. But it could very well be they are still very effective therapeutics when it comes to severity and, and, and effective enough that it justifies the side effect margin that could be the case and there and the and therefore this mortality rise we're seeing is the boomerang effect of la, of the failure of last year's lockdowns and the stuff that Scott Atlas was warning us about last year with childhood immunizations falling behind everywhere pre-screenings falling behind everywhere that's entire that is possible right yeah it is you're the vac you're the anti-vax guy. I'm the COVID skeptic guy. We're both willing to admit that could be what is happening here. Don't you think though we should find out? Shouldn't we find out? Here's how we would find out. A 30-day moratorium on mass vaccinations. We fixate solely on high-risk demographics and populations. And during this interim period between the end of the Sunbelt wave and the forthcoming northern wave, seasonal wave, we take these 30 days to find out where are we at. We take the millions and hundreds of millions we're spending now on inject everything that moves with a COVID vaccine that's already lost its transmission efficacy in real time, and instead use that to get people back into normal healthcare with early screenings and stuff like I just recently did, pushing 50 with heart stuff, get people back involved in preventative care in other areas. And then let's just see where we're at at the end of October. That may give us an answer. Don't we at least want to know because on the surface, folks, if I had gone on Facebook and Twitter and I, had, and I had posted in January, February, March, April, May, June, hell, July, that despite all these vaccines, we're going to see a rise in collective mortality across the globe 
I'd have gotten banned for that. Or suspended or tagged with misinformation. Absolutely, I would have been. Yet, here we are. We should at least want to know the answer to this. It could very well be, and it wouldn't surprise me if it is, this is the boomerang effect of the dumbest, most immoral managerial decision that the people in charge of this country and all these other countries made last year. It could, well, it could very well be that th- that's the harvest coming due. But while we're in the process of putting substances into 6 billion people that have never been in mass in human beings before, messenger and RNA, don't we at least want to find out? Aren't we the least bit curious to know? And if the answer's no, yikes. Yikes. Any quick thoughts on that? Well, I deeply, deeply fear that the reason we don't want to know or not enough people want to know in the so-called expert class is because they see those clips coming out of Australia and that makes them feel all warm and fuzzy inside. That's my fear. We keep going to very dark places every single day. Maybe that's because it's actually, you know, a dark place out there right now. More in a moment. You know, if you're a pet owner, you know that taking care of your dog means more than just giving him food and water. The dog becomes a part of the family. Uh, Its health and happiness is important to you. That's why we've been telling you for a while now about Rough Greens. It is the, uh, the, the supplement powder you sprinkle in with your pet's food that puts back in to your pet's diet all the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, pre, probiotics, antioxidants, et cetera, that were probably stripped out at the factory for long shelf life mass distribution the same stuff they do with the human food that we eat these days that's why we're taking so many supplements and now with rough greens you've got one for your pet but you want to make sure your pet will like it before you commit to it so how about we give you that first 14 day jumpstart bag for free you just pay for the shipping but we'll give you that first 14 day jumpstart bag for free to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less, and if your pet likes it, when you go to roughgreens.com. That's all you got to do. Just go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, roughgreens.com, or give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. Let's bring in our good friend, Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader. Good to see you, brother. How are you? I'm doing really well. Good to be back again. So Friday, the uh, the pro-life issue uh, went to nuclear in the U.S. House. Now, I don't think this has any chance of becoming a law, um, but but this was this was done. This is this is a grandstand, and this is an attempt for uh, the the death cult to uh, you know send signals to its its members that if they could, they're with you. If they could, they'd make the blood flow red, the streets flow red with the blood of of as many babies as they could possibly get their hands on. Right? I mean that's. Basically, it's it's the bill that they applauded in Cuomo's New York. Just you know, fire up the Metallica, kill them all whenever you want with mm-hmm. children, and they and they want to do this on a on a macro level, on a federal level, to try to circumvent 
Texas, Mississippi, and the other laws, Iowa's that are out there now. So I, I think you and I would both agree this is largely a political grandstand, but that doesn't mean it lacks value. I mean, if this is the stuff that you're doing because you think it inspires your base. I, like I remember early in Ted Cruz's ascendancy before any of us knew who he was. Mm-hmm. And I'd have people come up to me and I'm like, come on, man, nobody's this good. This has to be an act, <laughs> right? Okay. And I would always say to him, let's just say that it is. I don't know the guy. Maybe it is an act. Okay. Well, I'm glad he's acting it. Hey, but if, if this is just all pure ambition, then then what does it tell you that this guy is surging to the forefront by doing all the crazy stuff that they told us forever w- w- could not be done and would turn people off? If, even if it was a scam, it's still helping our cause because he's proving the potency of our own narrative, right? Sure. Let's turn the let's have Harvey Two Face flip the coin here and have the scratched side come up. What does this tell us about who they think their base is? Oh, that when question. that when that when they can't do any budget bills and they're stalled on amnesty and they don't have they don't have any fake investigations of Trump to do that they need content to provide for their base that they go to the let's kill as many human babies as we possibly can what do you think that says well I think it says a lot first of all I think and we talked about this I think the last time that I was on this program was we on the right wanted leaders for a long time and still want leaders to basically go on the lunatic fringe once in a while to say, this is so important to me. I don't care if it can't be done. I'm still going to do it. And so Joe Biden with the vaccine mandate, all that was is to say, I'm going to fire up the base. He, I think he knows it's unconstitutional. I think those who are supporting it believe it's unconstitutional, but yet I'm still going to do it. The vaccine mandate. And now you got Nancy Pelosi going, guys, I hear you. What's going on in Texas. You're shutting down abortions in Texas, and you want the federal government to do something? And even though I know it's never going to make it through the U.S. Senate, I know this thing's never going to become law, but I am going to have your back. I'm going to shout it from the rooftops that we should have a culture of death, not a culture of life. And I think what it is, is she's doing one thing. She's making a play for the hard left base. So she has to believe the 2022 elections it's going to be a base election. Who's going to inspire the right? Who's going to inspire the left? And I have to inspire the left. I think it's what Biden did as well on the vaccine mandate. Why would those people be uninspired? Well, first of all, I think they're a little bit like— What, 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 what have their policies or talking points, um, uh, have they not received uh, here in the in the first— nine months of this administration. Um, everybody who disagrees with me is evil, uh, medical apartheid. Everybody who disagrees with me is a racist. Um, I, I'm, you know, we're going to blow spending out of the water. Uh, any, any form of spending cap at levels that would have made even Trump and Obama's profligate presidencies blush. Um, we're just going to have a wide open border. We're going to allow 18,000 uh, Haitian illegal aliens who haven't been COVID tested into the country while you lose your job uh, if you're vaccinated, if you're not, if you're not vaccinated. If you don't want to see, if you don't want to be, have uh, your, your neighborhood uh, infested by refugees from a, a country where uh, they, they have, you know, harbored the movement that launched 9-11, uh, then, of course, we'll put them in your neighborhoods and not out mm-hmm. at Martha's Vineyard where we're partying, partying maskless with Obama. You're a racist. I mean, uh, explain to me what the hard left here, what, what have they not gotten? I mean, did they like 
We've got a human trafficker swap meet at the border. What are they not getting here that they want? I mean, they want Joe Biden to have gender reassignment surgery live on air. I mean, what is it that has not been done? Steve, it's not what they're not getting. They want it all. And they've proved that time and time again. So for us on the right who want a conservative agenda advance, it just seems like we always put up with just, okay, they gave us a little. They gave us breadcrumbs. They could have defunded Planned Parenthood all the way. But you know what? They spoke at a life rally, so therefore let's give them all the kudos in the world for speaking at a life rally. The left doesn't play that way. Take a look back in history. Remember, like 2008, when uh, Barack Obama's running for president, what does he say on um, Rick Warren's debate at Saddleback Church? I believe marriage is between a man and a woman. The, the scripture talks about it. It's biblical that's between a man and a woman, so that's what I believe. I know my party's not with me, but that's what I believe. And yet when North Carolina, which they thought they were going to turn into a same-sex marriage state, and the people in North Carolina voted to affirm one-man, one-woman marriage, what happened the very next day? Barack Obama's in re-election mode now. He flies into North Carolina. And what does he say? Uh, I've changed my mind. We should be the same. This is about marriage equality. This is equality for all. Why? Because he knew the left wanted it all. And Joe Biden was counseling Barack Obama at that time. So the way the left plays, it's not, what did you give me here? What did you give me here? That's how the right plays. You gave me a little bit. You gave me a little bit. You gave me a little bit. They want it all. And I think Nancy Pelosi understands that better than most. And she's doubling down on it to give it all to them. Hmm. It is a stark contrast of worldviews. It is. W- w- between you and, and her, I agree. I, I don't think it's a stark contrast in worldviews between Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy. Sure. And her. I don't believe that. I, I, I just, I, I think they largely accept the same premises of her arguments. They just find a certain amount of it reaches, say, icky. Yep. You know, but I, I think that... Um, like they would be, we just did a poll here in Iowa, about 80% of Iowans. And these, are, these numbers are pretty consistent with what I've seen around the country over the last few years. And keep in mind, this is with the jerry-rigged media polls. Because even if, even if the pollster's honest, the way the question is asked, they don't ask you questions like, do you think we ought to take a child and rip them limb from limb from the womb and dissect them until they're dead and then vacuum out their brains uh, with a with a with a suction apparatus, right? They don't ask that question. Sure. They ask a question like, "Do you think a woman should have bodily autonomy on on whether to give ha- give uh, be forced to give birth with with no restrictions or not?" I mean, they they put the most Orwellian um, eugenic spin on the question, and they still get eighteen to twenty percent support for abortion on demand, even with doing so. But I just think that a lot that with rare exception, especially that's very rare in Washington, a lot of the Republicans you would elect, they would disagree with abortion on demand if they, they would answer, no, I don't agree with that. But then what would they actually do to stop that? And what that's, have they done for 40 some odd years? I, that is the key. And I think you bring up McCarthy and McConnell are two really good examples of we're going to play it safe because we believe we'll win the majority by playing it safe. Where Pelosi's saying, I'm going to go all in, and Schumer and Biden, we're going to go all in to fire up that base, because we believe we have to go all in to fire up that base if we have a shot at winning. That is why Donald Trump was such a breath of fresh air to even evangelicals when they maybe couldn't uh, stand his persona, 
but he was a breath of fresh air because he wasn't playing it safe. I'm going to do what I said I, what, what I said I was going to do, I'm going to do. I'm going to act on it. I'm going to move the embassy to Jerusalem. I'm going to do things like that. And so I think what you're seeing when I say start contrasting worldviews, I think you're right on. You have some who are willing to play it safe, those who are willing to say I'm going all in for my base's agenda. So, so why do we have to just sit here and accept that the alternative next year is just to hand the, the Congress over from the, the communists to the corporatists? It's, it's, it's September 27th. The 2022 midterms are not for well over a year. Trump's coming here, what is it, next week? Yeah, October 9th. Okay. Pretty obvious that he's running for president again. Pretty obvious people like that we like, like Rand Paul and Ted Cruz, would like to be president one day. Pretty obvious that if Trump isn't, is going to run for president, that someday ain't coming anytime soon. All yep. those things are, are do we, would we both agree on all those things? I would totally agree then, with then, that. Then why aren't those guys challenging McConnell for Senate Majority Leader then? You see, and that's where I was just going okay. to go to. We should have to settle. One is, if you learned anything from Trump, it is be bold, be courageous, maybe be somewhat reckless, which Nancy Pelosi is doing on the left, but now you do on the right. One is that might be how you get elected, how you win a House seat, how you win a Senate seat, how you win a governorship. But then what are some of the bold and courageous people in the Senate and in the House saying, you know what, uh, Chip Roy, Chip Roy saying— He did run for leadership. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm using him as an example. Chip Roy saying nobody else is running against Elise Stefanik. Guess what I'll do? I'll throw my name in against Elise who's, Stefanik. Who's pro-baby killing, yeah. by the way. And even though it was a less than a 48-hour campaign— I still got about a third of the vote. So why not run a real campaign to say, you know, if this is going to be the kind of leadership they're going to provide, I want to do something that actually advances the ball to the right. We actually lead while we have the time to lead. So, you know, you know, some of these people better than I do. And maybe on a level, I don't because I am. I think I'm considered like a staunch ideologue. No way. Okay. So let's just put our cards on the table here for a second. Why the hell would anybody, why would they want to just serve in a majority under Mitch McConnell? I have no idea. Where, where, where is, whatever happened to ambition? Where did yeah. that go? Well, I mean, what, whatever happened to people like using moments like this to like Newt Gingrich using Bob Michael's, uh, you know, tax increase with George H.W. Bush to launch his eventual uh, uh, you know, a- ambitions to be Speaker of the House. Yeah. I, I, I'd like some good old bridal ambition around here every now and then. Can we get some maybe that instead of let's, let's just sit here and hey, vote Republican so Mitch McConnell can completely just thwart us on everything we ever want to do ever again. My, my thoughts exactly. Why? And those people, and frankly, since I was a candidate for public office, for those people who generally felt called, I'm, I'm called to serve. I reached a Popeye moment, so all I can stand can stand no more. I'm getting in the arena. They have to remind themselves, why did you get in the arena? Well, was it just to play it safe so you can be reelected in two more years or four more years or whatever else the, the years are for you? Or is it actually to make a difference, actually to advance the ball for Judeo-Christian conservative values that would make this America great, that would honor God and bless others? And if it's rem- being reminded of the why of the call, they might then stir up the courage of conviction to say, I'm willing to challenge the system. And you know what? Trump challenged the system all the time. Remember when Trump first got elected, who was Speaker of the House? Paul Ryan. You know, Paul Ryan's no, he kept challenging the system 
all the time. And so I think it's okay for people to say, you know, this is America. Uh, we, we were birthed out of this, uh, out, of, out of courage. Why not try to advance that while I'm serving in the House or in the Senate or in my governor's position? Bob, good stuff, man. Talk to you next week. You bet. God bless. Okay. You bet. Actually, you won't. We're off next Monday. Just as All a, right. no, that, that way now I'll know I did not forget to tell you that. Okay. <laughs> uh, by the way, if you are struggling with uh, too much chronic pain in the body, chances are that's because of too much inflammation in the body. And I'm not talking about pain from an injury. I fell off my ladder. Well, go get you know professional medical care. Now I'm talking about the, the the lingering achiness, stiffness in places like your back, your knees, your neck, your shoulders. If that's you, you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory backed by 35 years of clinical research in the last year plus of my own personal testimony using this thing on a daily basis as well called Omega XL, all right? It will attack the inflammation that's likely causing your chronic pain before it leads to something more serious. And if you want to give it a shot right now, they're offering you buy one bottle, get your second one for free. Buy one, get one free right now when you go to omegaxl.com slash Steve. Again, that's omegaxl.com slash Steve or call 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. For those of you that are frustrated, and I know it's, a, it's, it's not an insignificant chunk of this audience, frustrated that we're just going to have probably another, unless, you know, mortality steps in, another aged boomer election and a, re, and a run back of what we just had or whatever the spirit of the age puts up because Biden's dementia is too far gone. And why can't we turn the page? And why can't anybody do anything? And why are we just going to sit here and wait for Trump to run again? Say stuff like George would be better off if Stacey Abrams was governor. That just pisses people off unnecessarily. And we have to do the soap opera. That's a fairly, that's not an insignificant chunk of this audience. Fair? Right. Okay. You want to know why? It's because of the conversation Bob and I just had. That's why. Say whatever you want about the guy. Okay. You can say plenty of good. You can say a few things bad. Like I would argue that the one time he completely ankle grabbed for the system is why we're sitting here today without him president. We're still living off of, we're still suffering from the worst managerial decision of all time, 15 days to flatten the curve. That notwithstanding though, his default setting is to just go for what I want when I want to do it. Everybody else just kind of sits and waits and bides their time and Waits for the stars to align. Have you noticed this? Oh, yes. And so, you know, in the end, man, the squeaky wheel gets the grease here. You know, the best ability is availability. So all, you know, these other guys don't have to just sit here and hand the, the, the Senate over to root and branch. They don't have to do that. They don't have to just sit here and just spend 15 months lamenting how much it'll suck when Kevin... I believe we have events that over the next 15 months that would prevent Kevin McCarthy from being speaker, right? Correct. Or McConnell from being leader? Correct. I mean, not up. You can do this. I mean, go for what you want. Not to just sit here waiting for history to happen to you. Hour two is next. Back with hour two, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. And of course, all of you let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. 
at Steve Day Show. Don't forget, likely I will lie to you on Facebook with hashtag Facebook approved takes. But we do that in order to, uh, I guess, defy the regime algorithm. But, you know, I've learned I can actually post stuff on there. Facebook doesn't want me to let you see. If I, if I accompany it with the, uh, a caption or description that affirms the regime's narrative. And at that point, then I just need to trust that you're smart enough to realize what's going on here. The good news is most of you are. The bad news is, there is a num- there's a number larger than it should be that apparently are not. <laughs> but we will keep plugging away, I guess. Uh, you can also find out what I really think on MeWe Parlor, Gab and Getter. Get clips of the show that are not censored via Rumble at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And for those of you that listen to the show via the podcast, thank you so much. Please, if you haven't done so already, leave us a five-star review and also hit the subscribe or follow button wherever you podcast from. And thanks to the thousands upon thousands of you that have done each or both of those things for us already. We appreciate each and every one. You know, everybody loves a good snack, but then we wonder... Am I going to regret this later? Do I have to make that choice between what's healthy and what tastes good? Not when it comes to our friends Built Bar, especially right now when they have the greatest Built Bar flavor ever devised. And given how great all their flavors are, that is saying something. Chocolate chip cookie dough available right now, as well as all the other great Built Bar flavors like cookies and cream, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, etc., You can't beat it. It's the greatest protein bar of all time. They're all 180 calories or less. And despite that, they taste like a candy bar. They have a texture of a candy bar. Just don't have like almost any of the sugar, carb content, or calories that candy bars do. And they give you the protein you need as well. If you want to give it a shot right now, your order, 15% off with my last name, Dace, as your promo code at D-E-A-C-E, the promo code Dace, when you go to built.com, that's B-U-I-L-T, built.com, promo code DACE. All right, we've got our Monday Town Hall coming up here in a moment. But before we do, I'm going to read something to you. I'm going to read it verbatim. And I'm, and I'm not going to offer any commentary until I finish it. Okay? Are you guys ready for this? Probably not. Oh, This was published over the weekend online by the BBC. I'm just going to read it. A third of people with confirmed COVID cases in Wales in the past week were unvaccinated, according to new figures released by Public Health Wales. The figures also showed 99% of people who tested positive for COVID in the past week in Wales were under 60. Of these, 37% were unvaccinated. Nearly 13% of hospital patients with confirmed COVID were unvaccinated. PHW, which is Public Health Wales, said the vaccines had helped keep COVID numbers much lower during the third wave. Although 80% of patients have been double-dosed with a vaccine, public health officials said this is not evidence that the vaccine is not working and that vaccines keep 95% of people out of hospitals. Without its protection, the numbers in hospitals would be far greater, they added. Your thoughts. Again, no commentary. I just read to you verbatim what the BBC published over the weekend. They've they've done those studies uh, in movie trailers where they put 
they put subliminal like pictures of popcorn that are in the frame rate, but they're going so fast that you don't really see them, but you unconsciously see them, and it encouraged it. it <laughs> You know, and it's encouraged people to buy pop. And yep. there was a thing, and people found out about it. And re- that's what this is. They, they are, they, they the two thirds yeah. of the people are vaccinated. Yeah. That's the way you say it if you're actually doing anything resembling the truth. But they're just deciding. We're just it's it's and it's George Costanza. It's just it it's subliminal, man. You just keep saying. The thing you want people to get scared of, no, even if it's absurd, but most. This is absolutely theater of the absurd. It includes a a pie graph. And Aaron, I'll let you get on this, I promise, okay? It includes a pie graph that breaks down individually all the cases. I'm going to be pushing this article everywhere on my socials, okay? 6,321 unvaccinated cases ending in the week of September 19th in Wales. 7,878 cases from people with both doses of vaccine in Wales, 868 people who received one dose, and 4,073 people, their status was not known. So we can't say two-thirds of the positive tests were vaccinated, but based on their own data here, you can certainly say a plurality of positive cases in Wales. The week ending September 19th, absolutely, the majority of the cases were vaccinated. Absolutely, fully vaccinated. The article goes on to say the sheer number of people vaccinated, nearly 95% of those over 60 and 84% of those under 60, mean that statistically double vaccinated people will still be a significant proportion of hospital patients, but without the vaccine, those hospital numbers might be even higher. Aaron, what was your favorite phrase last year? Unfalsifiability fallacy. There it is, brother. That's why I wanted you to wait before I served that one up for you. Now the floor is yours. I just, I keep coming back this whole time, especially with, with instances like these. The little trivia that I that I threw out there a couple of times last year, Imperial College UK, which produced the uh, non-pharmaceutical in, uh, interventions or NPIs to combat COVID-19 or whatever the heck it was, which predicted what? Two million people, two, three million people would die in the United States by September of last year because of the virus if they didn't, if we didn't do what, what they said, which is basically lock yourselves in your homes and, and, um, and do whatever daddy government tells you to do. So that was produced by Imperial College London, which is happens to be the same school that, wasn't it George Orwell went to? Mm. Yeah, George Orwell went to. There's just something poetic about this, because I, I think Orwellian gets overused. That doesn't mean it's inappropriately used, but Orwellian, I mean, this is this is what, this is what this is. I mean, it's it's just the narrative. The state, the party's narrative, no matter what. There's no there's no um self-awareness whatsoever. But at the same time, there's also that uh I who who knows who knows if the author of that piece that we talked about earlier, which showed the excess deaths in in, in the UK from uh, July 2nd, who knows if the authors of that piece actually 
understood or were connecting dots or were just kind of putting that out there knowing what that was actually meaning. Um, it, it's just astounding. Astounding, but unsurprising. I, I'm having a difficult... I'm having a difficult time being actually surprised anymore. It still raises my eyebrows when you see the lengths to which the party and the system will go in order to perpetuate mm-hmm. their narrative that like a virus into the future. But still, it's it's completely unsurprising. Steve, as, as young men in high school, you and I cut our comedy teeth on the naked gun. You remember that scene in The Naked Gun where they're like on the docks and there's a chalk outline and the guy with the megaphone? Yes. Nothing to see here. Yes, yes. That's actually the news now. I mean, this is, this is some end times kind of stuff, guys. I'm not, I mean, it's just straight up. Okay. I mean, this is, it's in, their own article publishes the data that shows a majority of the new cases in Wales right now are fully vaccinated, and the headline they go with, a third of positive cases are unvaccinated. Let's get to our Monday town hall. And this week, our Facebook followers get to ask me anything. You know the drill. I've not seen any of these questions in advance. Todd has selected the ones that will be answered on air, handed them over to Aaron. Anything I should be aware of, or are they kind of all over the place this week? They were uh, more, because we went back to Facebook, they were more all over the place than I thought. I thought they would be more vaccine dominant, and they weren't. So maybe Facebook has caught up with MeWe and just like, they're just so used to the drivel. I mean, there's still enough questions there about it, but I I don't, I don't know. A lot of people, I think, are just... uh, it's all lies, and they get it now, and um, on to the next thing. Then let's get on to the next thing. Aaron. All right. We will begin with Laura Lynn. What are your thoughts on the Arizona audit results? Jack Posobiec over well, – is he still at One American News? I don't know if he is or not any longer, but he was for a while, right? He put out a tweet over the weekend that – what was the tweet that he said? Which one of the 57 Arizona audit reports is the audit report? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know what to think about the Arizona audit. I, I don't. I mean, I've seen conflating things from multiple different sources. I'm trying to go through. There's something I retweeted from our former colleague here, uh, Lauren Chen. Uh, you may recall formerly the artist formerly known as the uh, roaming millennial. And where is here it is? Okay, I retweeted this from her over the weekend. She says the left keeps reporting that the Arizona audit confirms Biden's win, but that is literally the opposite of what the report says. Biden won the state by about ten thousand five hundred votes, and there were over fifty-seven thousand problematic ballots found. Yeah, that's my that's my understanding as well so far, and I'm having the same issue. That you are. I, I'm trying to find the actual, the actual final, um, final report by Cyber Ninjas. But my understanding is that there is this narrative that was being pushed heavily late last week in advance by, of it coming out. In advance of it coming out, see, uh, that um, the, the the hand recount actually showed Biden won by a larger, by a larger margin in Arizona. What they were not telling you though is that that was the recount. That's not actually taking into account some of these discrepancies. Yes. That's my understanding. Yes. 
uh, it, it's similar to what we saw what Georgia was polling last winter. When they kept saying they kept recount, where they were recounting all the same ballots, mm-hmm. they weren't dealing with the discrepancies that people were addressing. So, I think I asked you what's uh, what the gal's name that is Laura. on Newsmax. Oh, I'm sorry, Emerald. That, uh, the other one, that, that Ellis, Jenna Ellis, that yeah. was a lawyer for the president yeah. during this last year, about seeing if we can get her on because I I don't know what to think. I mean, even even people that I have relied on to kind of. Uh, keep keep me up to date on this over the course of the last how many moons and months of of audits have put out conflicting information. So I I don't I don't know what to think of the Arizona audit. I will restate again, however, that treason never prospers. What's the reason? Because whenever treason prospers, none will dare call it treason. As I said, the very first few days and hours after this last election. When you allow one side to determine what is the, what is fraud, what is a vote, what is a voter, what's a postage stamp, what's the process, what's the methodology, when you allow one side to completely control that process with no real accountability, then voter fraud doesn't exist because they get to define and do everything. And that we, and that we did not need, not, not saying it's not true, I don't know if it is or not, but we don't need a fantastical, um, in you know, usurpation of global machinery by the Shycoms. Just have a bunch of you know Marxists at the yeah. the Pennsylvania Democratic Party uh, black paint w- windows and board them up while they count the votes behind closed doors and then come out a week later with their results. You know what I'm saying? That's just flat out. I don't. I don't need Dominion. I know I, I got total depravity, brother. I can just go with that, but thank you very much. Your analysis on this sounds remarkably like your analysis just now on that unvaccinated headline. Yes. It's that's I can't get enough of Orwell speak. I mean, I, I don't hot. I don't I don't I don't need flowcharts of fantastical plots when I got human sinfulness unchecked unmitigated and completely incentivized that will just fill in all the blanks for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't need a, you don't, the, the poll workers in Philly didn't need a dominion machine to paint the windows black, board them all up and count the votes in private and then come up with bags days later. Here are the votes guys. I don't, I don't, I don't need a dominion machine to be hooked up to the internet for the shy comms to have allegedly, um, you know, usurped. Not saying that didn't happen. Hell, at this point, I'm. I, you could probably convince me that Chinese are guilty of virtually everything. But the point of the matter is, it, un, unfurling that, detangling that process. That's the kind of stuff that you, that takes years, if not decades, if not a lifetime, to to unfurl, to to come to grips with. I can I can just flat out say, hey, don't let everybody, don't let the partisan hacks count the votes in private. I can do that in like ten minutes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, if we can't agree on that, then then dude, they they don't need. If we can't agree on that, they don't need a Dominion machine because they got Dominion of the process. You know what I'm saying? Yes. That's the Dominion you need to be concerned about more than ALs. They got Dominion of the process. Next. Next up, we have a double-fisted uh, question. Ryan Ber- Berard says, Rush Limbaugh also said 
Liberals are liberals first and everything else second. We see this all the time with liberal Christians. Do you guys think the same is true for the right? Do orthodox Christians tend to be conservative first and everything else second? Also, Aaron Noller asks, do you think the reason is we have so many passive, flaccid Christian men in America is because most churches act as a social country club as opposed to a spiritual warfare armory and hospital? Let me answer the second one first because that'll be easier or take less time. Absolutely. Uh, I think too many churches in America have no interest in motivating or engaging men. They're, they they it's it's because the men will challenge you on teaching. The men will challenge you once that once they're properly motivated, they'll ask questions like you know I don't think I what you talked about wasn't in the Bible. I don't I don't understand why are we doing that. How come we don't do anything other than just show up at church and pass a plate? I mean, what do we do? What do we do with our belief system for the rest of the week? I mean, what do you, how are you how are you guys how are y'all calling us to engage? Men don't want endless pontification, okay? Men are into action. So once, once, once the men are properly motivated and discipled, then the men are going to be like, okay, because I got a lawn to mow, I got bills to feed, I got a kid's Little League game to go to, I've got 47 jobs, and then there's actually, you know, like a Ryder Cup or a football game I'd like to watch for a few hours this afternoon after my 75-hour work week, if you don't mind. So I'm all in on the cause, but I don't want to sit here and just talk about what, you know, what Goliath is saying down there in that valley. When are we grabbing some stones and, 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 and when do we start slinging them at Goliath? That's what I came here to do. That, don't want to do that because men will demand action. Not endless pontification. And the number one thing, see, it, it's, not, it's not sufficient to say bad theology is what is, is, is the number one thing that has caused the American church's issues. There's a lot of churches that, that preach a lot of great theology. It's that they, it, the number one thing I believe is they don't want to have an application. They don't want a statement that like what Paul makes several times, or Peter even does in his epistles. If then, since then, because you now do blank. Here's the preponderance of the theology, and as a result, you do blank. You, do, you follow up with action. This is what you do. Because folks, saying... Now, this is, as we get more and more secular, this is becoming more problematic. But until recently, it wasn't considered haterade to say all people are sinners. It was haterade to say you're a sinner. See, it's the application. The application's the issue. That's the issue. What is it, I'm, what is it that I'm supposed to do in light of this? And then what happens if I don't? As opposed to just this being a theoretical pontification. Because that's where that's where the milk toast comes in, is the lack of action, the lack of application. That's where the milk toast comes in. And of course, you start applying things, you get friction. People start leaving. Or, you know, you you start running afoul of your local community's intelligentsia. And, you know, we want to kind of fit in and get along here. Because nothing says fit in and get along here like putting an innocent man up on a couple of wooden beams with nails through his hands and his feet. And, of course, that, that's after you cat a nine tails and beat him to almost beyond recognition so that the membrane of his skin tissue is externally visible for all to see. And that's not, by the way, 
when he's faced forced with a concussive event because of the 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 thorns that you have foisted upon his head forcibly that also cut through the skin that that smacks to me i mean that really says to me just kind of going along to get along here he was a joiner yeah no doubt uh as to your first question here ryan's i fear this actually um if i could i wouldn't i won't say i would dare to um posthumously amend Russia's assessment. I I will, if you don't mind, update it. Because we're actually seeing a lot of people, Bill Maher, Joe Rogan, um, Naomi Wolf, there's others, Andrew Sullivan. Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin. Now, Rubin would not still consider himself a liberal, Maybe some of those other people. I don't know what Rogan considers himself now. Wolf, Sullivan, um, uh, Marr would would absolutely mm-hmm. consider themselves liberals. I would update it to um, Marxists because you are we are we are we are seeing an intellectual break now among liberals. You are you are seeing an intellectual break. You're seeing people say stuff like. I used to be against this sort of coercive power from corporate America because it, it hurt disadvantaged groups, but now it's okay if the state does it. Um, so we weren't really about helping disadvantaged groups. We just wanted to transfer the power from the private sector to the public sector. We're, those questions are occurring. I mean, Andrew Sullivan is getting glitter palmed like weekly in his own feed by the very rainbow jihad that he helped give, give life and, and, and birth to. So I, I don't think it's just liberals. I think this is what Marxism does. Because you're you're now seeing, we have, we have seen in the last few years, there are a class of liberals who actually just really believed in the touchy-feely liberal BS. Just total denial of human nature and history that we all can just get along if we just let everybody do whatever they want. And why didn't anybody think of that before, right? That's kind of the liberal mantra, right? right. There's a bunch, you're, you're seeing now that now that coercion is is now the, the C word of the left and not choice, you're, you are seeing several people who even t- 10 minutes ago or now or a few years ago would have called themselves liberals. They're like, oh, hell no, I'm not doing that. So I, I really think what you're dealing, Marxism is what does this. Marxism does this because it's a demonic religion. It's a demonic religious replacement. So if you guys would permit me here to tug on Superman's cape posthumously a tad, I think that that statement needs to be just updated for the times in which we live because we are seeing some, we are seeing liberals break ranks. Some. What you're learning is there's just not, they're not that, here's what you're learning. There's really not that many liberals. There's a few liberals. There's there's a few there's a few that really buy into sort of a a a, a postmodernism, not as a device to get what I want, but like as a standard of as a way of living. Well, you know, it's all true. You believe what you want. There's a few people that are serious that think that. And what you're learning is most of the people that claimed that 
didn't believe it. They just used that to disarm us, the system of what we thought, so they could then replace it with their belief system instead. It was a tactic, not a belief. Is that fair? Oh, yes. Yes. My fear, and it's wise of you to put these two questions together. My fear is because of the second question. Because our, our churches are not mobilized into application of what we believe. Or as our friend Bob Vanderplot uses the analogy all the time, we're not creating Nathans that go to David and say, yeah, that's going to be a no from me, dog, on behalf of the uh, uh, Lord God of hosts. But uh, do better next time. But that's going to be a no from us. Thanks. My fear is nature abhors a vacuum. And so just as in the last few years, we've seen this right, this not nearly as much as it's been, it's been um, hyped, but it's, it's not irrelevant either. There has been some form of rise of sort of an anti, anti-Semitic, neo-Confederate, white alt-nationalism, particularly among some of the youngers. Who are they, this is the group they call themselves like Grapers or something, Aaron. This is more in your age group, right? Yeah, and Proud Boys have been associated with that, I think. Yeah, when they're, when they're when, well, are we talking the actual Proud Boys or the ones the I FBI pretended to be? Okay, <laughs> yeah. all right. So the, you know why that's occurring is because is because mainstream conservatism would not take up these issues of cultural heritage. Punted on them. I mean, we're doing white papers about, um, you know, the Chevron Doctrine. Wouldn't take up these fights. And so a counterfeit event comes along and says, wow, man, you know, those boomer conservatives are just going to let the country go to hell. Join our movement instead. We're fighting for what we believe. And, you know, you get a counterfeit. The same applies here. If, if, if the church does not mobilize aggressively, did I say politically? No. No, I said aggressively, right? Meaning that it is willing to confront the spirit of the age head on. If it doesn't do that, then that will get outsourced to a rival political tribalism. And you're already seeing evidence of that right now in the country. So, yes, I am afraid of that. I, I am afraid that it is possible you could see sort of a, a variation of Mensheviks versus Bolsheviks. Two rival political cults, basically. One has language far friendlier to what we believe, right? All right. But in the end, it still has really, it, it's still not necessarily rooted in the things of eternity that gave birth to liberty in the first place. It's more of a French, you know, storm the Bastille kind of power to the people. We're pissed off and we're not going to take it anymore kind of angst versus, you know, versus the Bolsheviks. And I, I think I think that's a loser, actually. I, I don't think there's any winners in that fight. Godlessness cannot cast out godlessness. I mean, the, the reason why we're the longest running experiment in human freedom is because we put forth a creed, as Chesterton said, that our rights come from God and not government. Take that creed away, and then it's just two sides, really, of the same coin. I don't think we're there yet. In fact, I've actually seen a bit of a renaissance in some of the old way, in some of the old, uh, some of the old magic amongst some of the people that are rising up to oppose some of these, uh, the spirit of the age. But ultimately, though, the church is the institution that 
that fortifies that supply line. And if it continues to aggregate mm -hmm. or abrogate, then, you know, that old magic you may see just disappear altogether. Your subtweet this weekend about if only there was a institution in Rome. Yes. Yeah. Mass, look, that's a great example. Mass demonstrations in Rome against Italy's forthcoming vaccine mandate. And I tweeted out, boy, if only there was a, an institution in Rome with a long-standing legacy behind it of pointing people to light in times of darkness. And of course, they were, Rome, I mean, the Vatican was out there doing vaccine passports before the Italian government even got to it, right? Yeah. So that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. That institution has decided to either abrogate, or in this case, just join with the spirit of the age. So we'll kind of just get some kind of secular power to the people instead. Right? Yeah. That's, that's where we're at. Nature abhors a vacuum. There will be resistance to this. The resistance based on our rights come from God and not government has proven in history to be far more successful than the power to the people storm the Bastille one. So I, I, I'm being very pragmatic here. I'd like the resistance that has proven to be more successful to be the one we launch and not the one that has failed repeatedly in human history instead. More of your questions here on an Ask Me Anything Monday next. As more and more of corporate America attempts to put the squeeze on you and your freedom and your values, man, whenever the opportunity arises for us, to do business with companies who share our values and are in the fight with us, take full advantage of it, like with our friends over at Patriot Mobile. They're the only Christian conservative wireless provider. They offer broad nationwide coverage. It's virtually the same as the big boys because everybody pretty much uses all the same towers, but they've got plans to fit any budget and their 100% U.S.-based customer service team provides exceptional customer support at the same time. And did I mention they share your values so they don't ever give your money to causes that are working against you, only the ones working for you and with you. So go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve right now and get a free activation with the offer code Steve at patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Or you can give a call to their 100% U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. And remember, Veterans, first responders, you get even better savings as a way of saying thank you at Patriot Mobile. Let's get back to our Monday Ask Me Anything town hall from our Facebook followers. Aaron, who's next? We'll go to Kevin Bush, who asks, uh, how does the way the issue of slavery in the 1800s never fully dealt with until the Civil War compare to the way abortion and other atrocities are currently not being dealt with? What does this mean for future conflict? Well, I, I think you're dealing with we have, we've had a tendency since the third chapter of Genesis, and I, I seem to recall that's pretty early in the book. Yeah. Fair? Okay. So we've had um, a, a, a pretty prevalent tendency to not be proactive when faced with injustice, either to go along with it or look the other way. And then, of course, it's, it's usually because we're counting the cost and it's too high. So then, of course, in, in the sheer brilliance of our basically good nature, we wait until the cost is way too high to pay to decide, you know, we finally should really do something about this here, right? Yeah. Okay, so the, the, the moderate cost to pay was too high 
So instead, we've decided as a species, we'll sit around until the cosmically hype. You won't make me. I won't pay for that. I won't pay with my job. By golly, I'm not taking a stand until you come to my house and put a gun in my face. And even then, not until the trigger mechanism clicks. That, that's kind of how humanity rolls, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, so uh, it's uh, this is, you're drawing a good historical parallel. It goes to the John Brown parallel that I drew in uh, for the Blaze a couple of months ago in a column that I wrote. But that really is part and parcel with the 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 long train of abuses that um, is human sin uh, and the history of us as a species on this, uh, on this, on this planet and within this all and we're that we are the reason all creation groans. And, and so that's, that's the paradox. We're the reason all creation grows yet at the same time, we're the most valuable thing God has ever created. (laughs) We're the only thing created in his image. Okay, so there's a paradox there, right? Where human nature is not thought very, very highly of, and nor should it be, but human worth and dignity is thought very, very, thought very highly of, and should be. So that's a good historical parallel. The fault lines of where we are culturally. Um, we're not polarized. We were polarized in 2004. We are balkanized now. And there's sort of a Maroslavia, Yugoslavia reference there, a Maroslavia that's happening right now. We've got, you know, um, different cultures and religions uh, trying to live under one Yugoslavian flag, and that's kind of going on right now. And we saw in places like Kosovo and others that that's, that dog ain't going to hunt, and, a, and it's not going to hunt here either. Next up, we'll go to Jeff Craig. Do you think we should have actually encouraged the young and healthy to get the virus and spread it around to get natural immunity at the earliest stages of the pandemic? Would we be in a better position now? I would not frame your question that way. Um, Because I think framing your question that way plays into the false narrative of those who denied thousands and thousands of years of science and precedent for how prior to the accidental discovery of even crude vaccination techniques in the 1780s, humanity survived some of the greatest worst plagues in all of history for thousands of years prior. Instead, I would frame your question thusly. Once it became, Steve, do you think once it became apparent through the extreme age stratification of COVID-19, who was the most vulnerable, we would have been better off pursuing a path that built up stronger natural immunity within the less vulnerable parts of society in order to push back on the strength of the outbreak. Yes. And we have a control group that shows that that is true in Sweden. Now, Sweden will play the control group again in 2021 on vaccinations. We shall see there they are seeing a similar rise in cases while aggressively vaccinating that all the other aggressively vaccinating countries saw. So far, though, their deaths are stabilized. 
if that continues for another few weeks, especially as we get more now into their seasonality, then we will know that Sweden's strategy of pursuing natural immunity first and then vaccinating, which is a more traditional methodology of trying to reach herd immunity, we will know that they were right. If, however, Sweden begins to see the same uptick in deaths no longer decoupled from case rises as are happening in other places like the UK we just talked about, then we're going to know that there's something seriously wrong with their vaccination products because Sweden brings something to the table the rest of these nations did not. High levels of natural immunity. So if the vaccines cannot hold deaths cannot hold deaths back in Sweden with all that added advantage of natural immunity, then the problem is the vaccines. If they continue to hold death back in Sweden, then we'll know it's because the reason it's working there better than other places where that's concerned is they pursued natural immunity first. So that's something to watch now in the fourth quarter of the year with Sweden. But I agree with what I think you're getting at, but I would not frame the question that way. Because that plays into the hands of those who want to deny science and lie to you so that they have a perpetual, what was the clip you just shared from Canada a few hours ago I saw? That their health officials are saying basically everything's going to be called COVID now or something. What was it again? If you won't be tested and you're ill, they're just going to say Yeah, they say that you have COVID, okay? How we frame things is very key. I know there's a temptation to think, well, if they're just going to do flat out Orwellian newspeak, like the BBC thing I talked about at the top of the show, then we can be cavalier with our language. The opposite is true. We need to be even more on point with clarity amid this confusion and and, and make sure the way we're framing things doesn't play into their narrative or premise whatsoever. Next. This one is a good question. Mary Abraham asks, please detail the difference between a T-cell test and an antibody test. I get scoffed at every time I ask for a T-cell test. Are they both a blood draw? How can I find a T-cell test? The only T-cell test I can find is a home kit? Is that a good option? My first thing would be, would be to ask you, who is scoffing at you? Is it the people maybe at your hospital? Yeah. If it's medical professionals... I'm doing, if you can't, for those of you that aren't watching, I'm giving you the Steve Carell yikes right now. Although, frankly, You're not surprised. I, I would not be surprised. You're not surprised. It is a blood test. So here, here's what you're... This is my best attempt with my own limitations of knowledge here to explain this in a way that both I understand and we can all simply understand. All right? There is a form of a cloud in your, bi- in your immunology called cellular immunology. So just like you have on your phone, you might have the family photos um, that you want readily available, okay? And those might be, you know, everybody could get on your phone and see those. They're always on your hard drive. And then you might have the photos you and your wife made of, 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 uh, on how we made a family photos. You don't want everybody to see. So you might have those on your cloud where they will be hacked into later. And then probably everybody will still see. Them. <laughs> All right. But um, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to provide a little levity to the situation. But uh, 
So the, the cloud is where things that are important to you are stored, but because you're trying to save space on your hard drive for what is needing to be utilized now, you put it there. All right. When people say, I'm, I no longer have antibodies, I got sick from COVID four months ago and I no longer have antibodies, so I must not have any immunity anymore. It, it, that's true. Your, your immunity may be somewhat limited. But if your body presented antibodies consistently for everything you've ever been exposed to, I, I think it was either Ryan Cole or somebody else once described this as you would look like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. You would just be this giant infl- vat of rolling inflammation. Okay? Within your cellular memory is what are kept like immunological artifacts of past infections. And so when your body recognizes something it's been exposed to in the past, it goes into that cellular memory or T-cell memory and says, hey, we recognize that thing. Hey, call, get it, you know, call up, get it, get into the, you know, uh, into the reservoir, the immunological reservoir here. And uh, we need file B because we, and we need that in, you know, white, for the white blood cell stat because we recognize this. And there have been new, there have been studies done that show you could have cellular some form of T cell cellular immunity from COVID from coronavirus for life, 17, 18 years, a decade or more. Okay, um, and so this is all why early on in Asia, correct? They thought masks were helping, but it was really yes, T cell. It was crossover T yeah. cell immunity. Yes. And then when you got more and more variants and it got more and more widespread, even though the masking stayed still extremely high because they locked, they did all these lockdowns, they got low natural immunity, and they still had these massive waves despite all their masks. They didn't mitigate it at all. You have, you have some form of cellular immunity from the flu, but that doesn't stop you from getting the flu every year. It doesn't even potentially stop you from getting a deadly strain if one happens to go around. Okay, but this is how it works. That's a different, particularly if you have a pandemic level of a flu instead of an endemic one. But the reason you want to look at your T cell immunity is because there will be an artifact there that even if you currently, because you're four, six, seven, eight months, Sweden's board of Sweden's health agency is telling its people that your body, you should consider yourself actively immune to COVID 19 if you are within six months of an infection. They basically are telling their people, if you're within six months of an infection, you don't have to get vaccinated at all. Now, we could argue whether that's long enough or not, but as far as I know, they're the only country even saying that, okay? That doesn't mean, by the way, after those six months, you don't have any immunity left. The question becomes whether or not you have enough stored immunity that justifies not risking an adverse reaction from these vaccines. And that's a question I'm frankly not qualified to answer. I am qualified to tell you, though, after having read numerous studies about it. Anybody telling you, though, you, that, that you have no immunity protection at all, if you got COVID last year, you have no immunity protection ever again, for, that, that, that's, that is not true. It might be limited, it might not be, it might not fortify you enough against forthcoming strains, particularly if we have a ADE level of leaky vaccine. But the idea that you had COVID last year, so you have no immunity anymore, that's not true. It may not be a sufficient level of immunity. That is true. 
And this is why a lot of people, this is why I'm suggesting you get a T-cell immunity test, if you can. It's not, you can, you can order them online, finding where you can get it processed and developed. And a lot of you don't have like a few hundred dollars for the entire, I think the whole process is a few hundred dollars if you do the, the at-home one. And I have no idea how credible it is. I don't know. But the reason why you would want to do this is to know that if I have any immunity at all. I took an antibody test. It's negative. I'm pretty sure I had COVID or I was around people that had COVID in February, March. You'd want to go get a T-cell if you could because that artifact would probably still be there within your system. Is that a sufficient answer? Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. that's, that's, that's great. Let me do one more here uh, before we get to your last question. You know, trying to sell your home in any economic climate can be challenging. But how about in this, well, unprecedented one? Bing. Thank you. Uh, you want to make sure you go into the real estate market with an agent that you can trust. And wouldn't it be great if they also came to the table with a fully vetted track record of success on top of that? Well, good news for you. Such a person exists. Where would you go to find them? Well, the name kind of says it all. Head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Just about anywhere in the country you want to move to or from, we can probably find you an agent with a fully vetted track record of success who can be trusted to come in, take charge of your situation, but then remember that ultimately you're the one in charge until the day you close. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Do we have a quick one you want to do or do we want to do final thoughts? Go to uh, Stephen Thomas. How do we reconcile turn the other cheek with fighting evil? Turn the other cheek is about forgiveness as a belief system and about personal offense to you as an individual. Fighting evil is about defending people who are innocent from being caught in the clutches of, of evil. So for example, the bully picked on me I'm going to get vengeance on that bully. That would be a question of, do we turn the other cheek or not? The bully comes and begins pushing you, threatening you, pushing other people, threatening them. Well, now you have a, you have a, you are, you are permitted to defend yourself and fight evil and to defend, as it says in Proverbs, those who are innocent and being led away to slaughter. I would say that is the simplest distinction I could come up with in the time I have off the top of my head. We could probably do an entire Theology Thursday on that question, though. That'll do it for today's program. We'll be back again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.